hello. Let us begin with um, a reading as we are letting people in. Uh, this is Pastor Nick preaching for the members of all of that United Methodist Church and for the whole world, anyone who can hear my voice. Uh, if you are joining in or if you're watching this uh, recording, I've included a link to our church's Tithely uh, app, our profile. You can support our ministry, the work that we're doing, uh, the, the messages that I bring forth, uh, simply by clicking that link. You don't need to set up an account, anything like that. Uh, just Saturday, we were out in front of the church, masked up. Uh, social distancing the best that we could to serve the members of our community. We gave out a lot of free hot dogs. We gave out a lot of free toys to, to kids, anyone who was driving by. It was an amazing time. Uh, and we're doing the best we can with what we have in the times that we are in. But with all that said, I will turn now to a reading uh, from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 to 23. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage that did you get then from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 28, verses 5 to 9. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. But listen now to this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. 
the prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes true, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. And our gospel reading is from Matthew 10, verses 40 to 42. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the word of God for the people of God. So the book of Jeremiah is one of my favorite books, and uh, I think the prophet Jeremiah uh, is someone that uh, our, the current leader of our government would just would not care for at all, not even a little bit. Uh, the words in the verses that I read, there's a little bit of a debate in Jeremiah about whether or not the prophet's being sarcastic to Hananiah. And I'll endeavor to explain a little bit why that is. See, in the context in which he is speaking, the people of Jerusalem believe that their city cannot be conquered. It's, very, it's a very common belief. Uh, if you're in Jerusalem in the ancient world, Jerusalem can never fall. How could it possibly fall? It's God's city. And therefore, no one could ever conquer Jerusalem. There's no way that rioters or looters could come and take the city. There's no way that the city could be burned. There's no way that the walls could fall. Uh, so Jeremiah hears, hears this strain of belief in the people. He hears the prophets who spread that belief that there's nothing that could ever destroy the city. And Jeremiah says, bet. Uh, I re think back to 2016 at the last election and the general sense that many people had that our democratic institutions were so sacred and uh, s conceived by geniuses and uh, the systems of checks and balances. No one, no, no demagogue would be able to be elected president. No one who would be fundamentally dangerous to the republic itself could be elected president. It's it's impossible. It couldn't happen. Not in America. That's something that might happen, you know, over, 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 overseas, some other kind of country, maybe somewhere in South America. Not in America. Not in the United States. There's no way. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah lived his entire life in an era of chaos. The world was caught in a power struggle between warring empires. Babylon, Assyria, Egypt. Israel had divided itself into two nations. They had the liberals up in the north and the conservatives down in the south. But the northern kingdom had already been conquered by the time 
uh, we catch up to the story in Jeremiah 28. The northern kingdom of Israel had been gone for about a hundred years, conquered by the Assyrians. And now Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, the southern kingdom, was besieged by the Babylonians, who it seems are posed to conquer the entire known world. Now inside of the city, there are factions that fracture into infighting. They turn on one another. Some of them want Judah to resist and form an alliance with Egypt and attempt to fight back. And some uh, want to also take the fight to Egypt and continue on on their own because they don't need anybody, anything from anybody. The king has his back to the wall and wants to hear the truth about the situation. He needs wisdom, and he goes to the prophets of God, but the prophets don't agree. As a prophet, Jeremiah presides over the end of the Hebrew monarchy, the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, what might have seemed to many to be the end of the world. Now, in this context of chaos, Hananiah tells the priests and the politicians not to worry. Because God is a deliverer. And they'll be back up on top in just two years. Just two years time and everything will be alright. Jeremiah, on the other hand, says to the people, look. If you are already in exile right now, here's what I would do if I were you. I suggest that you build some houses. If you're in exile right now, I suggest that you plant some gardens. Don't wait for all this to be over before you get married. You better start working on the city that you're in right now to make it better. You better work to improve the community that you're in right now to make it better because you're going to be living there for a while. Settle in and get comfortable because we are just getting started. Now, Hananiah, Hananiah was a special kind of man. I imagine Hananiah to be the kind of man that if he could, he would have put his name up on buildings. And Hananiah probably had strangely small hands that he was very self-conscious about. And he went up to Jeremiah one day. Jeremiah had made a yoke for himself to symbolize the bondage that the people of Israel were going to fall into. And when Hananiah saw this symbol of subjugation to be inflicted on the people of Jerusalem, Hananiah broke that yoke. He turned around and told all of the people, Jeremiah, he's weak, folks. Jeremiah's a loser. There's nothing to worry about. Sort of in the same way that at the beginning of this pandemic, we might have heard from some of our leaders that things aren't so bad. Just give it a couple weeks while a virus ravages the planet. We get messages like we've got 15 cases and soon it'll be down 
to zero. It's like a miracle. It'll be gone. It'll be gone someday. That's what Hananiah was doing here in Jeremiah. He was saying that, well, the city might be surrounded by the Babylonians, and the Babylonians might have defeated the Egyptians, and they might have defeated the Assyrians, and there's no physical way that things are going to work out for us right now, but I'm going to just shut my eyes to all of that and say, like a miracle, everything that we know to be true is wrong. We call the theory that Jerusalem can never be conquered, we call it the inviability of Zion. You see, Israel's great. They can't be conquered. There's a zealous streak in here that we can see maybe in the New Testament too, this long, deep-seated belief that God's seat is in Jerusalem and uh, occupying forces don't belong there and can't remain. Obviously, we have to kick them out, but Jesus just asks whose face is on the coin. Jesus, like Jeremiah, understands and wants us to know that sometimes imperial occupying forces will get to run the world. It's very interesting to me that Jeremiah and Hananiah are part of the same religion. But only one of them is in touch with the movement of God in the city. Jeremiah has positioned himself to speak truth to power. Right in the face of political and religious authority. Long after this time, we'll find out that an outsider, a pagan king, will end the Babylonian exile. He'll be referred to as God's anointed. You know about God's anointed, don't you? That's the phrase that they use to say Messiah. Said this, this term was applied to the Babylonian empire who sent the people of Jerusalem back home. Messiah, labeled, a label given to a pagan king. And meanwhile, Hananiah, a Jewish prophet, found himself outside of God's message, not being spoken to by God. Jeremiah talks about a prophet who wants to talk about peace, in times that are clearly not peaceful. So Jeremiah says, we can pretty much know that you are a false prophet, Hananiah, because you only ever say that good things are going to happen. All you ever say, Hananiah, is winning, winning. You're going to be sick of winning. Jeremiah 8.11 says, they have treated the wound of my people carelessly. They say peace, peace when there is no peace. It's not what that it's not just that what you say doesn't match the future. Prophecy wasn't just about telling the future. It's that you can't even match the present. You lack insight into the way that things are right now. So why should we listen to you when you try to tell us what's going to happen next? How are you going to condemn the supposed violence of a riot or of a protest that's not violent and ignore the structural violence of redlining? 
ignore the structural violence of not even giving people with a black sounding name an interview. Ignore the structural violence of having corporations and institutions and nonprofit organizations and seminaries that really value diversity, but everybody with a corner office is white, has a name like Sarah, Helen, Emily, something like that. You say peace. There is no peace there. And that's what Jeremiah will not let go of. There's no peace here. There's no peace, he says to Hananiah. There's not going to be peace in two years' time. It is going to take much, much longer than that for us to deal with the things that we have to deal with. It's going to take us a lot longer than that to get our house in order. It's going to take us a lot longer than that to see justice done on the earth. It's going to take us a lot longer than two years to overcome the challenges that are facing us. And we have no reason to believe otherwise. Jeremiah wants people to know that just because God is a deliverer, just because God is a savior, just because God is on your side, doesn't mean that the world isn't going to wreck your day sometimes. And it might take you a little while to put yourself back together, but that doesn't mean that God has left you or forsaken you. It just means that the world keeps turning on its own and sometimes we have to cry. And sometimes we might feel like a motherless child and sometimes it's going to seem like nobody wants us to win and sometimes it's going to look like the world is ending. But if you just keep holding on, if you just wait a little while longer, everything is going to be all right. And I don't know when that day is and I don't know if I'm going to be around for it, but I know that God will never leave us or forsake us. And that no earthly power can have ultimate victory. And those earthly powers, you know, they hear a message like that. They hear a message about the supremacy of God and their own limitations. And the very first thing that they want to do is say, fake news. Those kinds of leaders want you to deny what you can see with your own eyes, what you can hear with your own ears, what you can know with your own mind and substitute whatever they tell you for the truth. Now, we've got a lot of worried, powerful people right now. Lots of worried corporations trying to get out here, tap dancing down the street, talking about Black Lives Matter, putting up lots of pictures about it, painting it on the roads, doing everything they can to look like they are on the side of justice. But time is going to tell whose side they are on. 
The reason the forces of fascism, the forces of white supremacy, the forces of, of a kind of capitalism that grinds the poor, that consumes the houses of widows and orphans, they are looking a lot like the prophet Hananiah right now. They're looking for a prophet like Hananiah, looking for someone to tell them that everything's okay. Why? Because they know that just like Jerusalem, they are under siege by forces that will, that just might cost them everything. See, it just might be the end of their world. Jeremiah 23 teaches about false shepherds. Now, in the Old Testament, the term shepherd is a metaphor for king. If you're reading about sh uh, shepherds in the Bible, it's, it's, it's a very good chance that what you're reading about is kings. Even in the famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, what is being, the, the uh, connection being made there is that God is our king. Now, what is a false king in the Hebrew Bible? A false king is one that fails to acknowledge that God is the true king of Israel. Now, how might a king fail to acknowledge that God is the true king of Israel? Well, I am glad that you asked. See, the failure comes through enacting policies that hurt the poor and the marginalized. See, false kings are out for themselves. They are out to make a little money on the side. They are out to uh, put their, their, their son-in-laws in positions that they don't belong in. They are out to... I hope somebody hears what I'm saying because there are lots of false kings out making a lot of false claims and accusing everybody else of spreading fake news. And false kings need some people in their corner. They need false prophets to enable them and justify them while they make decisions that destroy communities. Now, see, I grew up in churches that always had altar calls. And, you know, the idea behind those is that people will come to us. Uh, in the Bible, the notion generally is that you ought to be going to them. Uh, and even so, I did a lot of altar calls. And at, at, at different churches, at summer camps, I became proficient at leading and getting people to respond to altar calls. And the whole theory of an altar call is that someone comes forward, they kneel down, they say a specific prayer, they give their life to Jesus, and from that time on, they're saved. Uh, and as long as I kept doing ministry in the way that people wanted me to do ministry, and as long as I didn't talk about how much God loves black people and gay people, and as long as I didn't talk about how much God loves trans people, uh, people were just fine to call me a prophet, a preacher, just fine to say that I was uh, called by God to do the things that God wanted me to do. They were just fine letting me be their little Hananiah. You see, people only think God is using you sometimes when they're saying things that they want to hear. So in my own 
walk and journey uh, into God, I have learned, I have had to learn and am attempting to learn how to say what is true at any time over what people expect to hear or what they would prefer to hear. But the truth is that black lives matter. The truth is that trans lives matter. The truth is that disabled lives matter. The truth is that not everyone who calls themselves a Christian has anything to do with Jesus at all. And some people who don't call themselves Christian just might be anointed by God and have the role of a Messiah. It just might be the last person you expect someday who sets you free. It might just be the last person you expect to have mercy on you. It might just be the last person you expect to change your life and turn everything upside down right when you needed it turned. And it might be the church that leaves you high and dry. So how are you to know today who the Hananiahs are and who the Jeremiahs are? You see, in any narrative, in any story, there's got to be good character development. You learn over time who the characters are. You come to recognize and identify characters. You become better able to identify them when they show up later in a story. You can tell when a character in a story is acting out of character once you get to really know who they are. So the more you study scripture and the more you read history and religion, the clearer the voice of God and the character of God becomes to you. And the easier it is to tell when you're dealing with a Hananiah. Now, I can tell you right now that if you put up some math equations, you know, one plus one equals two, and somebody tells you that they're the chosen one and that fancy book learning one plus one stuff you're doing is some fake news that doesn't sound like the voice of God to me if you are in the middle of a pandemic and someone tells you you, you've only got 15 cases and soon it will be zero cases while they're not doing anything at all to track trace mitigate and contain the cases that doesn't sound like the voice of God to me that sounds like someone saying exactly what you might want to hear instead of telling you what's true there are these periods in the in history that the Hebrew Bible calls judgment You see, judgment comes from time to time, and it's tempting to believe when we look around the world today that surely the world might be coming to an end. We have got a lot going on in this year already. So many plot twists, you can't even keep them all straight. I don't even know what happened to the murder hornets, but I hope that that was just a cameo and they don't show up again, or it's a setup for a sequel, because I can't take another year like 2020. I got to have some kind of change. It might feel like the world is coming to an end, and maybe it is. 
but the world that someone knew has ended plenty of times before. The empire of the Assyrians fell. The alliance of five nations that attempted to defy Babylonian rule fell. The northern kingdom of Israel fell. Then, despite the reassurances of incompetent prophets and corrupt political leaders, the kingdom of Judah and the city of Jerusalem fell to Babylon. The empire of the Babylonians fell after a little while too. Rome rose and Rome fell. Countless emperors have come and gone, but God keeps speaking to us. God keeps giving us dreams and visions of the kingdom of heaven. God keeps calling us out and away from the world we are used to and the world as it is and the world that we're comfortable in to a city whose builder and maker is God. Don't forget, you never can tell when or where a Messiah might show up. You never know who might turn around and do the work of God to bring people out of Egypt. You never know who might end up serving God's cause, the God that brings exiles and refugees back home safely. The God who will be who she will be. The God who is. And that's not fake news. That is the good news. The good news that life goes on even when all you can see as far as the horizon is death. The good news is that a new world is coming. Resurrection is coming. It's even on the way. New life is inside of you right now. Just waiting to spill out and flood the earth with justice. And if you believe that, no matter what religion you are, you are in touch with the gospel. If you believe that no matter what religion you are, the spirit of the living God is ready to set somebody free through the life you are living, no matter what you believe about God or which God you believe in, if you believe that there is a great freedom in store for all the children of the earth, you are a pro-gospel person that I want on my side. In the ancient world, someone's identity, it was rooted in their family, their community, the city they were in. And it was, it was, uh, it was taken for granted that, that you would be hospitable to everyone. And your hospitality marked you as a good person, someone who was working for the good of others is a good person, and at least in the ancient context. In our own context, it's very, very difficult to get everyone just to wear a mask if it's only protecting other people, what's the point? But in the ancient world, 
it would be much easier to get everyone on the same page. And it just might have been that those who knew God and were taken into exile, who Jeremiah told to plant gardens and to build houses, it just might have been that God was using those exiles as ancient missionaries in what it looks like to form a beloved community and a society that didn't yet have the same kind of concept. And if that is true, it calls us to consider where can we build houses? Where can we plant gardens? Because it's looking like we'll be here for a little while, longer than two years. So many of the great liberating acts that God has done in our lives are already here, and yet somehow there's an aspect of God's kingdom that has not yet come. There is a waiting that is inside of us, awaiting for a fulfillment of all things to be in the order in which that God would have them. But while we're waiting, where can we build houses? While we're waiting, where can we plant gardens? While we're waiting, how can we make our communities better? How can we serve the needs of the people around us, even if they're Babylonians? How can we work together to make a city that we can all live in peacefully? How can we put aside our differences and learn to live? How can we come to love our neighbors? Even if they're so different from us, we don't know how to talk to them. And how do we have mercy on the Hananias? How do we show love to Hananias? After all, don't we like a little Hananiah in our lives sometime when things are going wrong and when we need just a little encouragement? Don't we all like a little Hananiah on our side every once in a while? You know... You know you like a little Hananiah when you're having a bad day. You want somebody to come up and tell you you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. How do we bring our Hananiahs into the fold? How do we help them hear the voice of God more clearly so that they don't turn from the voice of God to the voice of any demagogue who pretends that they have held a Bible before. How do we redeem our Hananias? The book of Romans in the reading today reminds us that we are liberated from sin. We are transformed. And the language in Romans is difficult, especially for those of us who are black or slave descended or uh, from a colonized nation. We can have a hard time with the language because of our consciousness of slavery and its horrors. The, the, The dehumanization, the atrocities. 
But in Romans, Paul is trying to show that people have to shift their entire paradigm, the way that they see the world. Paul is calling a new kind of people into existence, a kind of people who are willing to die for a God that they have never seen with their own eyes, people who are willing to die for other people, not even just wear a mask for them, but serve them unto the death. And that is the kind of people it takes to build a beloved community. That is the kind of people it takes to set all people free. That is the kind of people it takes to shut a city down when an injustice occurs. That's the kind of people it takes to go to a border camp and set children free and reunite them from their parents. It's not just anybody who is fit to do this kind of liberating work. If you can't even get a brother to put a mask on his face, he is not someone who's prepared to take up the struggle. Not yet, but I won't give up on him and I won't give up on our president because you never know who is gonna be a messiah. And if one day, President Trump says, I get it now. Black lives really do matter. And I've spent way too long hurting way too many people of all colors and all genders. Then I am ready to say, let it be as you say. Let the people go, Mr. President. You're my brother. And I'm so glad you heard the voice of God. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with me today. I pray that you receive these words in the spirit of the prophet of Jeremiah and not in the spirit of Hananiah. Because I believe that God is working in all of us right now, just in the connections that we have in each, with each other and, and the spirit that we share together, despite our religious or cultural or racial differences, God is tearing down the walls that divide people because there is something new coming. There is something coming today that we haven't had before. There is something coming now that is calling on all of us to give a little more, to love a little more. There is a city waiting for us to build. And I am so excited to be a part of that with each and every one of you. If you receive uh, the message today or any other day, if you want to support the work that our church is doing uh, on the west side, there is a link uh, above the video in which you'll be able to directly donate funds. We are a small congregation. We don't uh, always have a lot to work with. And while the pandemic is on, it's definitely affecting what we can do. So anyone with extra funds that wants to support the work of a black church, here's an easy way for you to give and to, to, to put some life into us. Uh, and if you, if we're into these messages, if you get something out of them, please feel free to support. Uh, and now, I just want to close with a word of prayer and then we can finish up this video and I can go finish toweling off. Thank you, Grandma. If Yvonne, Yvonne loves these. Yvonne loves these, Grandma. Whenever you get the chance to watch this, she was impressed <laughs> and she knows I need them. Uh, let us pray. Gracious God, you are the ultimate liberator. You are the supremely related one. The, the doors that you open, no one can close. The doors you close, no one can open. Your purpose when you act in history cannot be thwarted. 
No one can pull a fast one on you. No one can call fake news on you. No one can discredit you because you will be who you will be. And God, I see you on the horizon of history and I see you on the horizon of the future ever and always supporting us, leading us and guiding us into new truth and every day calling us into more mercy and love. Be with us, God, in the struggles and the trials ahead of us because I know that they won't be over in a short two years, but that there's a long exile that we have to work through before your full and final reign comes. But we will keep on waiting with faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. I am so glad that we have the opportunities to still connect in the ways that we can. You are all amazing people. The time that that Olivet spent out Saturday afternoon serving the community was amazing. I look forward to the next time that we get to do that. But for now, peace be with you work for peace and justice, bring truth into a world that is forgetting what truth even is. Amen.